0: this is the rational perspective i'm alec hogg in this episode vbs a triumph of first world detection over third world crime Uncovering of the VBS scandal is a marvelous example of how the sophisticated first world portion of South Africa's economy can be practically applied to the benefit of this developing nation. The plundering of a small mutual bank that was created in apartheid's vendor homeland was very third world in its application. Ditto the reaction of conspirators whose defense was simply to deny any involvement. But as the saga unfolds, hindsight is telling us that Kingpin's Matodzi, Ramavunga and Malaba and their VBS stooges like Truta, Nesani, Magula, Ramakosi, and others, plus a long list of elected municipal officers, never stood a chance of getting away with it. It was as if they had a knife in a gunfight or bows and arrows when opponents possessed gatling guns. Lies and subterfuge by those who perpetrated industrial-scale plunder were smashed by a very first world tool, South Africa's Financial Services Regulation Act. This potent act was gazetted last August and brought into effect in April this year. Here's Chris Schoen, a practicing advocate of South Africa's High Court and a driving force at anti-corruption activists' accountability now.
1: And there was a lot of regulation, but it wasn't centralised in terms of a control mechanism, and the result of that is things started falling through the cracks. So, you know, you had the Financial Services Board insurance and related matters, you had banking regulation, you had the credit regulator, but they weren't all going the same direction. But they were definitely linked related, and I think the the, the the control mechanism was to say, well, let's get everything under one umbrella and have a sort of standardised, uniform. A regulatory approach, where everything can be looked at by one body which has got the sort of expertise, and I think that's that's the that's the essence of, of why it was set up. You know, we, we know from years ago, you know, Fetcher is not dissimilar to to VBS. We required to deliver uh, annual returns and and insurance returns. They were delivered, but the FSB just didn't have the resources at the time to review the, those reports, and we all know what happened to Fetcher. So I think there's also an economic reason to, to house things together and get some level of economy to scale and, and build up expertise.
0: It's no coincidence that VBS investigator advocate Terry Matau was appointed within two weeks of the new act coming into effect. And then matau applied this FSR Act very efficiently.
1: If you look at the you look at the various provisions, so one hundred thirty four to, to one hundred forty they they, they uh, they're broad as they should be, but if you think about uh, insolvency inquiries and other types of um, interrogations, uh, commissions of inquiry as to insolvency as opposed to the state capture type inquiry, um, it's it's you're dealing with one one entity. You know, the state capture inquiry is so broad, um, the powers to compel are, are not necessarily as great in all respects, and I think I think in fairness, it also depends on the individual. You know, here we've got a situation where he's got a job to do. He's got the powers to get the job done, to call people, um, access records. He's got good backup with the likes of the worksman's and, and some of the other forensic guys. And uh, as big as the fraud is, um, it covers a period from a roughly, I think it was 2015 to when they went into curatorship. Uh, in the ordinary event, a curator wouldn't have the, the power to do what he does. So what what the, the FSR has done, it's created those additional powers, which which have been well used.
0: I've described it as a, a third world crime because it was pretty basic how they they bribed people, um, but applied yes. with first world regulation. Do you think that's fair?
1: I think that's a fair comment, and I think I think that's exactly what it was. I, I, I don't think the perpetrators were, were overly sophisticated, and just a sort of brazen theft. I mean, the comment he makes he makes, which is which is, which is an amazing comment. Uh, uh, very early on his report, in fact, might be the first page, about Mr. Nightingale and the bank robbery many years ago, that he he sort of commends Nightingale, who's never been found, for putting some effort into what he did when he robbed the bank. Whereas this one, he's sort of saying they didn't even make an effort, um, just. It, Fabricating, um, you know, running Excel accounts. Uh, you know, it's uh, the 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 DR returns to the bank, uh, the Reserve Bank, just incomplete, inaccurate. It wasn't. It wasn't even clever. It was. It was literally emptying the piggy bank, which which has not been done.
0: But getting away with it, presumably because of their political influence or the influence of the politicians who were involved. Yes,
1: it is. And I think I think the, the question everybody seems to be asking now relates to the obvious, which is um, the loan to the former president. Uh, he borrowed the money. That was the first time VBS sort of came onto the map for most people. It appears paperwork was signed nine months afterwards on a 7 million rand loan. That's questionable. Installments weren't paid, but I don't know if the installments weren't paid because they weren't due at the time and he had a a, a grace period before you had to start paying paying off the instalments or for some other reason. Yeah. everyone should know who's who's paying those amounts? It's seventy thousand rand a month. That's that's not a that's not a small amount of money. And it's just a it's a trail of just putting putting your hands in. I mean the one one individual wasn't happy with what she regarded as her Christmas of three hundred thousand, so they upped it. And and as he says, li- literally everybody involved in the bank was 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 somewhere involved in, in this this heist.
0: It was just four days after Mutau's appointment that he applied the act's comprehensive search and seizure powers with support from his appointed evidence-gathering specialist, Basilius Concilium. They raided VBS's head office at Mercado and then a few days later did the same at the bank's Santon and Toyando branches. The document-gathering exercise was closed out on the 7th of May with a raid on the Santon offices of VBS's ostensible controlling shareholder Vele. So within a month, Matau had all the documentation he'd ever need. The act also empowered him to recruit highly skilled resources to process all of this information. Enter Data Specialists Facts Consulting, which scanned and converted the seized documents into a searchable digital format. And Crow Forensics, the specialized chartered accountants who focus on uncovering crime by crunching suspicious transactions in bank accounts. Also part of Matau's force, was fellow senior counsel Ross Hutton SC and two other advocates, plus a team from worksmen's led by Bernard Hotz, head of the firm's business crimes and investigations practice. The ace in Motel's royal flush, though, was Section 140 of the new FSR Act, which incentivized those involved to tell the truth. During interviews conducted over four and a half months, a clear pattern emerged. These deeply implicated witnesses Began by offering brazen lies, but once Section 140, which offered them criminal indemnity, was explained to them, many of the 30 witnesses requested another hearing. And second time round, their stories turned 180 degrees, with falsehoods replaced by open admission on their part in the VBS conspiracy that had been built on greed and fear. I asked Advocate Chris Schoen to explain how this important section came into being.
1: It comes from the sort of the, the, the insolvency regime and the Companies Act Inquiry regime, if if you ask a question uh, and it may incriminate you, then from a criminal point of view, then you're not obliged to answer that question. Um, they can force you to answer the question, but that, that alone cannot be used as evidence against you in criminal proceedings, which is different to a civil issue. So one of the recommendations made in the report was the individuals involved should be sequestrated. That's civil. So what, he, what, he, what he's gathered in, in, this, in this investigation can be used for superteen. But criminal means that it now has to be referred to the prosecuting authority and then go ahead. So the fact that, that, that someone essentially has incriminated themselves doesn't mean that alone means they can be convicted on that basis.
0: A lot of these witnesses, a lot of the 30 witnesses, changed their stories after yes. it was explained to them how Section 140 works. And yes. uh, if I understand correctly then, they they can't go to jail for what they said but they can be sequestrated. In other words, the money can be taken back from them.
1: Yes, but but like most of these inquiries, what they are is they try to find the facts because that's always the problem. Once you've found the facts that money has been stolen, for example, then you've got to go and lay a criminal charge and the investigating officer and the you will proceed with it. So, yes, they could well be prosecuted, but not purely and simply on the basis of what they said while they were being uh, interrogated in terms of the um, FRS. So it, 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 it gathers information that, can be, that, that forms the basis of a case going forward, whereas you say, the civil one, sequestration, if they found somebody who, who took money and it's repayable, they can claim the money. If it's not repaid, then they can get judgment, they can sequestrate and, and follow that route. So two, two separate tasks.
0: As suppose uh, landing little fish to really catch the big ones.
1: Well, that's generally what it is. I mean, if you, if you look at the way that the, the, the state capture inquiry is unfolding, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a well-planned uh, process. Uh, you want to get the information and build on the information. So, you know, if, you've got to start somewhere, and people, people will roll over. They want, they want the big guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it.
0: The conclusions are detailed in Advocate Terry Mattel's 139-page report, which he entitled The Great Bank Heist. After an initial flurry of interviews, Advocate Mattau, perhaps because of the political fallout that his report caused, is no longer going on the record, so you won't hear his voice in this podcast. But Mattau has shared more than enough of the detail for the rest of us to join the dots. Among those who have studied those 139 pages is Stuart Theobald, Chairman of Financial Services Research and Consulting House Intelledix. Theobald is a former journalist who recently completed his doctorate at the London School of Economics,
2: there was massive fraud on the go there, Alec, as, as has been widely reported. Obviously, 1.9 billion rand of money that was gratuitously paid out of the bank. Now, you know that's uh, well over half of the assets of the whole bank were effectively stolen. By related parties, particularly the chairman of the bank and his uh, various companies and corporate interests, but also uh, millions and millions that were paid out to Greece palms effectively, you know, including the lead partner of KPMG on the orders of the bank who uh, got 34 million rand in soft loans and in inverted commas from the bank, um, while he willingly signed off on clearly false financial statements and regulatory disclosures to the central bank. So it's uh, an astounding case of f- un- you know, just incredible fraud in a bank. Now, how did they think they would get away with it? It's remarkable because the whole thing was creaking. They, The Reserve Bank was going to catch up with them because they were falsifying the balances on their interbank settlements accounts. Uh, and they'd begun defaulting on overnight settlements, um, which they then had to scrabble around to try and make good. And that was setting off alarm bells. They had, uh, created fake deposits in their accounts. So they'd simply record a deposit having been received when no cash had been received. Now that obviously catches up with you because eventually, uh, an audit will, Try and get the accounts to balance and find that there's a deposit on one side, but there's no cash on the other side, no asset to match the liability. Eventually, that was going to come out. They couldn't keep bribing the auditors forever, especially when there's got to be a partner rotation at some point in the future and some new eyes looking at the accounts. Uh, And of course, they couldn't pay back the deposits that they'd been taking. So they'd been taking millions of rands of deposits from municipalities. Uh, money that municipalities needed to pay for basic service provision, including paying their own staff and suppliers. And when those municipalities needed the money back, the bank struggled to pay them. So you'd think that it was clear that on any of those matters, uh, eventually it was all going to come tumbling down.
0: That's the logical position. But when you're playing a third world game where politics – Trump's economics, such logic doesn't always guide the actions of the actors. So how did these kingpins think that they could get away with such a crude Ponzi scheme?
2: The directors of the bank seemed to believe that they could keep the charade going, and the way they thought they could do it was to just raise more deposits, to just get more money in through the front door to be able to pay off what was going out through the back door. Uh, and they targeted two public sector entities to get that money. One was the Passenger Rail Association of South Africa. So that's the the provider of all uh, local rail services in the country. And it was in the midst of attempting to get a billion rand deposit uh, from Prasa. It was also trying to convince the PIC, the Public Investment Corporation, to give it another two billion The PIC had already uh, put 350 million into it, and two of the bank's directors were senior PIC people who it turns out now uh, had each benefited by over 7 million rand from the bank. So uh, clearly that was not kosher either. So it looks like the directors of VBS had in their minds that they could get this money out of public sector entities, keep it coming in, to be able to continue to pay off everybody and support the the thieving that was going on in the background. That that was how they figured it. That's how they imagined this was all going to somehow maintain itself.
0: Here's where South Africa's dirty politics rears its ugly head. At the ANC's December elective conference, a Zuma dynasty was narrowly averted. Just 179 votes in almost 5,000 that were cast gave Cyril Ramaphosa the nod ahead of the former president's ex-wife and ally, Nkosazana Dlamini-Zuma, or NDZ, as she's popularly referred to.
2: What the report said is that the Prasa money, so the billion rand they were trying to get from Prasa, that that money would come if NDZ won uh, that December uh, elective conference and became the president in waiting. And... It seems that the reasoning for that was that the billion rand was being held up by National Treasury, in effect, uh, because the an acting CFO at Prasa had refused the instruction from the CEO to transfer the billion rand, saying that uh, National Treasury regulations didn't allow it. Um, and it seems that the belief was if NDZ1... National Treasury would be dealt with and would no longer be an obstacle, uh, and that money would therefore flow. And not only National Treasury, of course, because it would have required eventually compromising the Reserve Bank, because uh, VBS couldn't have gone on forever without the alarm bells of the Reserve Bank becoming louder, and uh, the Reserve Bank has significant powers to intervene in banks and to be able to take action where banks are not towing the line. So it, it it seems that the belief was an NDZ presidency would deal with national treasury, and in time would also deal with the Reserve Bank, and with those two out of the way, nothing would stop the looting. It could carry on, it you know carry on without interruption.
0: The whole process uh, of political interference is also amplified in the report when the role of Danim Caesar, the treasurer of the ANC in the Limpopo province, is is articulated. It, It does appear as though this was a pretty grand conspiracy where if you happened to be in a senior position, a mayor of a municipality, this was a quick way to put money into your own pocket, 2% commissions on the amounts that were deposited being paid. Now, again, surely at some point in time, this had to come to the surface. Yeah, And
2: some of these deposits were well over 100 million rand. So those 2% uh, was uh, significant amounts of cash that were were flowing through the system to grease it. And it's a grand conspiracy in a sense, but it's also just – Astounding how amateurish some of it was. And uh Mattel's report quotes WhatsApp messages that were going between uh various uh municipal officials and VBS people and um, ANC people. Uh and they talk about, you know, this person needing a Christmas, not being happy with three hundred thousand, need to give her more. Uh and it's language like that in these kind of WhatsApp messages flying between them on Discussing how much they need to grease palms to to both get the deposits into the bank, but then to get them to leave the money in there because of course the bank couldn't couldn't afford to pay them out uh, so once you paid a bribe to get the money in, you then had to keep paying bribes to keep it there and this was all a very active conspiracy going on in which, as you say, you know the senior provincial leadership of the ANC is deeply implicated.
0: The ANC has moved quickly to address this embarrassment with its Limpopo leadership called into meetings today, but the fallout stretches a lot further. The VBS scam is yet another blow to the already tattered reputation of big four accounting business KPMG, not least because the chartered accountant mastermind Matotsi did his articles at the firm. So he knew exactly where to look, fellow licensed crooks. KPMG's involvement has already hit global headlines with international industry publication Accounting Age, commenting this morning, as if the Gupta family scandal wasn't enough, KPMG South Africa is wrapped up in another new catastrophe.
2: It's pretty devastating for KPMG. I, advocate matao even suggests that the Reserve Bank should file some kind of claim against KPMG because of the failures in the audit. Uh, You know, it's astounding that the lead partner on the audit, who is is the head of KPMG's financial services uh, division, so a very senior auditor, uh, was deeply implicated in falsifying financial information at the bank. Uh, That's despite KPMG having some oversight and review mechanisms that should have picked up that things weren't kosher. Uh, The report makes clear that some of the audit clerks on the audit had flagged various issues uh, and that the senior partner had basically said to them, you know, don't worry, I've got that covered and uh, got them to, uh, you know, essentially drop the opposition that they had that they had mounted. It's a very serious matter for KPMG. I think uh, the Reserve Bank, uh, I, I should think, would follow Mattel's advice. And would look to uh, some kind of claim against KPMG, perhaps motivated by the cost that bailing out VBS's retail depositors are going to cost us. Uh, the National Treasury has guaranteed to pay out 100,000 Rand to each of the bank's 22,000 retail depositors. And from reading uh, Matar's report, I'm not at all sure. That there's going to be the assets to cover that. So the taxpayer, in other words, is going to be stuck with a bill for the difference. Um, and that, uh, that is going to be a significant amount of money that the reserve bank might wish to try and recover from the auditors who are meant to, meant to be keeping, keeping things on track. There are some elements that are not hard to double check. One can see the central bank can see, for instance, what deposits the banks hold. Within their central bank accounts, for one thing, and uh, it doesn't take much to double check against those and and the interbank uh, settlement accounts as well. So there are various uh, procedures that I think the reserve bank uh, will figure out um, and implement and uh, ensure this thing never happens again. But you know, something like VBS is just an astounding, an astoundingly rare. Example, I, you know, I don't think there are some of the cases anywhere else in the world uh, where you have this incredible conspiracy happening from between the political level, the uh, the bank itself and its auditors. It, it's an astoundingly rare, rare event, but that doesn't mean that there aren't lessons and and procedures that should be implemented to ensure such a thing can never happen again.
0: There are heroes, though. The uh, chief financial officer at the Capricorn municipality who got suspended for her trouble after blowing the whistle, but she did manage to get the money back in. And also the CFO at uh, Praza. Both females, both uh, um, prepared to (laughs) with more testicular fortitude than uh, it appears their male colleagues had.
2: Yes, uh, so they are named in the report as having resisted uh, others, you know, resisted pressure to direct money into VBS and that they do stand out as heroes. Uh, I'm sure they're not the only ones. They're, um, you know, uh, one, it, it's quite hard to find people who say no after the fact. Uh, but not every municipality had their money in VBS and we, we can't, we, it's always hard to, to prove the negative to, to find ones who, who refuse to toe the line, but there were, They were undoubtedly more than that, Uh, but they were very brave and they suffered the consequences. Both of them uh, faced severe harassment and effectively forced out of their jobs because they resisted uh, the pressure to direct money into the bank.
0: This has been The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. Until the next time, cheerio.